Welcome to Heart to Heart, a Horizon-produced podcast. My name is Christina Pearl, and today we are sitting down with Jackie, who is going to open up about her journey with her son, what she has learned about substance use and watching her son firsthand, and the hope she has seen through treatment and support. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. We're fortunate enough to be sitting here with a family member who's kind enough to share her journey with us. And Jackie, we would love to learn a little bit more about you. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of background and we can get started. Hi, uh, my name is Jackie and I have two sons. They actually both suffer from addiction, but my younger son um, chose the path of uh, treatment and facilities, and he has been in the system, so to speak, since about 2014, but he's suffered from addiction um, from about 2007 when he was in 10th grade. And that was about the time that my older son um, had a baby very young. And our attention turned to him and seemed to spin away from my younger son. And he was able to get lost in his addiction much easier, unfortunately, I believe. So, well, thank you for sharing that with us. And we appreciate your openness today. I think a lot of families will be able to relate. And so, if we want to start with what brought you and your family. To Horizon initially? My desperation for a cure for my son. He started with outpatient counseling for a few years and landed in a 90 day program at Horizon Village in Sanborn in 2014. And almost right away, I met a parent advocate, um, and her son suffered with addiction. And I attended a few seminars through Horizon through Naranon and a couple other places I found online. I wanted to educate myself as much as possible. And Horizon felt like a family immediately to me. My husband and I attended family counseling with my son at the village and were there every Saturday for family visits and education sessions. And I seriously thought that we'd get through those three months and this would be over. Unfortunately, he relapsed immediately after those 90 days at the village And honestly, he relapsed several times over the years, but I believe his relapses have had great meaning with invaluable lessons learned from each. That's clear now, but it definitely was not clear as he moved through the years. That's incredible. That that step and that making the phone call. And even, I mean, the education, we'll dive into that a little bit later on, but just the education that you and your husband, you know, ventured into yourselves is incredibly important. But that call your son made is the hardest part. So Jackie, would you mind explaining how you reached Horizon and your journey once you got here? I know you you discussed it a little bit, but how did you how did you get to us? It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and my son at that time was still going to going to a pediatrician. And after a strikeout there, I thought it would be easy to I thought it'd be easy to get help at the pediatrician. And then a few more years of failing to get the real help that was needed, I looked up Horizon online and I thought, this is it. And it was it. But little did I know that it would take several more years before my son would come to realize that Horizon really was it. 
it was one of the biggest reasons that things kept failing was because my son was not being honest with anyone, including himself. So that first trip to residential care and his first few counselors, he was just saying things to make everyone feel better, including himself. He lied about actually everything. His addiction was just like another person blocking anything that tried to threaten him. And he would say that he wanted help, but deep down, he just was not able to accept it. And both stays at Horizon brought my son great counselors. But during that second stay, he was more honest and ready to receive counseling. It just took so much personal pain and suffering to instill value into his life in order to use those lessons that he learned. Those lessons were vital, right? So vital. That counselor the second time, she, I know she was younger than my son. Um, and I'm, I have that like we talked about before, I have that sixth sense of knowing who knows whom. And I'm pretty sure she knew someone who had suffered from addiction very close to her. Mm -hmm. And she was, it was almost like she was my son's sister. She was there by his side every step of the way. He got really sick while he was there. He had to go into isolation and she was the one who went to his room, took his hand and said, let's go for a walk. Let's go talk about it. He was never alone for more than just a few hours. I mean, there's just so much help if you can allow yourself to receive it. Right. And that connection, you know, that connection really does make such a difference. It really does. He knows what a good counselor looks like. And mm-hmm. that what's, that, that's what makes me so happy for him to go into the field of counseling because he is going to show this world what he was meant to be. I said that before. He is going to make a difference in so many lives and, and, and hopefully save lives as well. What is one or a few of the experiences that stand out most to you from seeing your loved ones receive treatment or go through that process even? Well, when I heard my son say he's sorry and saw the pain on his face, knowing that he really meant it this time, and that was late in 2020 after he had been in treatment for about six months, um, he finally realized that in order to really move through recovery, he had to make amends. And another fulfilling experience was watching him enjoy the holidays. He was present and grateful for his family. He wasn't isolating himself anymore. He sat on the chair with his presence on his lap, nearly in tears, in, in, in total gratefulness. And let me say here that uh, treatment must be wanted and we cannot make anyone go to treatment. They must want to work their program. And some people who suffer with addiction see the path to recovery with that first step into treatment. And others right. take years of suffering mentally, physically, and financially to finally see it. Right. And I never wanted to believe that there would be another relapse. I was afraid of what the next relapse would bring. But it was not my journey. I cannot protect him from his addiction, and I certainly couldn't save him. He finally had to pass through enough pain to want to be able to save himself. Your perspective is so profound, and 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 you moved along the journey with him. You know, your entire family did, and it goes to show how vital that support is because you obviously can't do the work for him, but no. you can be alongside him. Right. And I, but I do support. understand exactly. And I do understand that some 
parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters have to turn their back and walk away. Mm -hmm. But I was never one to be able to do that. I never, I mean, I certainly was in the position that I could have, but I just could not. And I think that's part of being a mom. I think moms are different than other relatives are to the addict, but I could, I could never, I could never just walk away. I just couldn't. Right. And you didn't. I did not. And and you educated. And I think that's a nice segue into our next conversation is if you could tell someone who's considering reaching out for help or even like we talked about earlier, following your gut, you know, what would you tell them? Um, if, If you could say one or two things if they're considering reaching out for help, making that phone call, coming into treatment, or even just examining what treatment looks like, what would you say to them? What would be some perspective that you could give to to somebody that might be in your shoes? It's, it's easy to say, um, but it's just take the first step. And it's easy to say, but I did it. And I did not want to do it. I did not want to um, admit that there was a problem in our family. And I did not want to make that phone call. It was, it felt embarrassing. It felt like I was admitting uh, a failure as a parent. And that's just not true. It is not true. You have to take the first step, call your best friend or a, a family member to go with you or be with you when you make that first call because comfort zones can offer ignorance. You need right. to rip off the Band-Aid no matter how much it hurts because living in ing- ignorance only exasperates the problem and compounds it for the future. The suffering necessary for my son to see what needed to be done also pushed my boundaries so far that it put our relationship in jeopardy. It sure. is a very painful process. And if there is a sense that something is wrong and it is willfully ignored, it only promises future pain, more right. pain. So regarding the availability of treatment, you need to know that there are people who are ready to help. You t- try your best not to let the drugs control you. And that's what drugs want. They're evil and they absolutely need to be treated like the evil that they are. And once afflicted with addiction, it will always live within that person. And endurance, lessons learned, and respect will help build bench strength against the addiction monster. And after 13 years of absolute hell, my son is nearly 18 months sober and living in a sober house. He's now leading one of his NA meetings that he attends, and I am prouder of him than I would be if he were accepted into Harvard, honestly. Absolutely. Because you know how much work it has taken. You you know how much he's had to overcome and work through. And you and your family have worked hard as well. And you're working hard at so many things. And one of them is, you know, like you discussed earlier, you know, being embarrassed and worrying about what others might think about you making that phone call. That's something we all as a community, as a society need to work together on reducing that stigma around asking for help and support. Because just like you said, it, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Uh Years ago, but 
you know, education is so important and coming together to show that, hey, you know what, it's okay to ask for help and make that phone call and and figure out what that next step might be because you're going to have support because you're not alone. So no. many people are going through the disease of addiction, struggling with mental health and the treatment that is out there and the resources and the support it really truly is immense, but you know, people, people are nervous. They're scared. There's no rule book around that. And, and we're trying our best. And I know by speaking to you today, somebody listening is going to pick up that phone because of what you're saying. So we really appreciate your transparency with it all. Well, thank you. And I, you know, I can say, and you can agree that asking for help with anything is is very difficult to do. Anything. Absolutely. If Absolutely. you're at work and you can't figure something out, I don't want to go ask for help. I, right. I have to figure this out myself. That's that's a natural human being response. But when it comes to this disease, you you cannot you cannot be afraid to ask for help. You have to ask for help. Everyone is ready to help. Absolutely. If you ask for it. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Why would you say detox and residential services are so important in the treatment for some patients? I know that there's obviously so many different levels of care and you and your family have obviously experienced many of them, but I I do think not as many might be aware of, you know, the importance and value that come with, you know, more intense um, services such as detox and residential services. Why do you see that as an important piece of the continuum of care for patients? And intense is a good word for uh, detox and residential care. Um, some people just cannot move through recovery without detox and residential care. Some certainly can find help without patient services and meetings, but others need more serious help. And there's no shame in asking for something that will save your life. There's no right or wrong way. And I right. think that many people who suffer from addiction can only relate to a world grounded in addiction and drug use. Many have no personal skills life skills or social skills, because I have heard myself, and I'm not sure if you'll agree that with my son's case and others, he became addicted right around 16 or 17 years old. So I don't think his brain ever really developed past that Mm -hmm. and really is starting to heal now. He's in his early 30s and starting to realize and understand how to make the right decisions, what to say, what to do, how to act. You know, trying to maintain recovery outside an environment of control and accountability is scary, hard, and dangerous. Yes. And a treatment facility gives the addict time to separate from difficult relationships, people, places, and things, responsibilities, and anything that regular life throws at them. It gives an almost sterile, controlled life of structure and balance surrounded by people suffering in similar ways and the counselors who totally understand them. You know, addiction is a lonely disease. And the longer one stays addicted in active addiction, the less and less people they know stay in their lives and the less and less people seem to care. And having people who care and meeting people going through the same problems in a close in a close living environment is unparalleled and cannot be understated. And this may be a pop a topic for a different time, but I also think that services um in the 
need need to be offered to the addict about real world living, like budgeting, mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. routine, maintaining a job, understanding what healthy relationships look like, and having a healthy diet and exercise. Even I mean, my Absolutely. son, uh, he he came out of he went into treatment last July, and he's sixty seventy pounds heavier than he was a year a year ago a year just a year ago. Right, And now he's like, what am I supposed to eat to be healthy? All he knows is sugar cereal, milk, and, you know, fruit is good for you, but that's not how you lose weight and, and good exercise. So I, like, I, I'll never, I'll never walk away from him. And even now in his recovery, I'm right there saying, well, you should eat more vegetables and you eat fruit. You should take this vitamin, you know, right. it's, it's almost like your mom, it's the mom code. It never goes away. Sure. Never. Yeah. So, and, and, and you're right. It's, it's overall wellness. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just so, it's so vital because you're treating the mind, the body, the spirit, you're treating the yes. whole self. And, and that's, that's vital to a healthy future. Exactly. How do you think COVID has impacted people struggling with addiction and even mental health? Well, I, I, not only do I know addiction in my family, I also know mental health. When one of the, one of the, um, exercises that stick out in my mind when we were at a family counseling session at Horizon was that family tree exercise where you start from the top, you fill in your little family tree, and then you start coloring people black and different colors and their addictions. And it amazed me how many people, even smoking, smoking and alcohol are included in addiction, how much addiction was in both my husband's and my family. And that, and that overwhelming guilt that I could have, I could have seen that, but how could you see it if you didn't know that it's hereditary? So that's why we're here, right? To teach people that, you know, even smoking can trigger an addiction that's way more serious than smoking. And, and COVID has ruined so many lives and so many businesses. And the resources that people have become accustomed to just vanished. But it was great to be able to get online and have phone counseling. But some people just don't have the resources to even get on the phone. And right. addicts on their worst day have no resources. Right. And, and they're, you know, when you go to a meeting or to a counseling session, you're showing up. Someone is depending on you to be there. And that lacked when everything went remote, that was a big lack was the accountability. And for addicts, isolation fuels addiction. COVID is a great excuse to be alone and stay isolated and keep away from anyone who holds them accountable. And COVID also gave stimulus money, which was free drug money to addicts and sent many people spiraling into a greater sphere of addiction. But- COVID helped my son reach an isolation-fueled bottom, which helped him finally reach out for help. Because prior to that, he always said to me, I don't believe in rock bottom. I don't think I have a rock bottom. But he sure found it last year. So yeah. if if COVID could be good for one thing, then it could be good for that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good statement. Yeah. And I mean, many of the patients like the majority of the community, even now are still experiencing an increased anxiety due to COVID. And, you know, like you touched on, this can increase use of substances, have a barrier or provide a barrier to coming into a more controlled environment. So I think, you know, 
listening to you and seeing and hearing your son's perspective on that isolation motivated him to hit that rock bottom and, and to make that call. We always see an increase, or you know, around the holidays, and you know, even in Western New York, right, in in the winter months, and just that seasonal depression disorder. And yes, there's so many, you know, different struggles that people have. But you know, with COVID and just that increased anxiety, there's there's a lot of times when people might reach their own rock bottom and and need to reach out for for help or additional support. And you know, like you said earlier, there is so much support out there, there's so many resources out there. It's just just picking up that phone and right. and then verbalizing it, right? Right. Family support and education is incredibly important. And you touched on this in the beginning. Over the years, you've really thrown yourself into education around the disease of addiction. What has been your overall experience with that education? And and again, what would you want people to know about the importance of it? So first, let me say that um, I'm very fortunate to have an understanding husband, an excellent sister, and very supportive friends. A lot of people don't have all that. You know, they're single moms, single dads, grandmas and grandpas who are going through this alone. So that's what I'm here to say is that Horizon offers that ability never to be alone. There are, there are you know, peer parents, peer advocates always looking to help support someone, get on the phone with someone and help them through it. Naranon is great for that. You can get a sponsor through Naranon just like you can through NA and mm-hmm. Al-Anon and stuff like that. Right. Um, but for me, all through my son's active addiction, my codependency was very strong. I saved most of my scary, awful stuff for myself to deal with alone. And I couldn't let my family and friends know how awful things had become. I had to let things play out and get better before I would share. And finally, in 2015, I met a friend who invited me to an Aranon meeting. And it was one of the lowest points in my codependency. The comfort came in knowing that I wasn't alone, sitting there listening to people talk about the same stories with different actors in, in the story. You know, it was it, some people were it was it was worse mentally. The stories were worse, but it really felt the same and it really felt a relief not to be alone. Right. Um, and, and from there, the same friend who referred me to Naranon referred me to a counselor who I stayed with for a few years. And the lessons learned there were to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Since I could not do anything to affect my son's addiction back then, I had to learn to take care of myself. And my right. point here is that if your addicted loved one sees you getting help, they tend to be more likely to get their own help because you cannot guilt them into anything in active addiction. You must turn away and get the help you need to survive. Because, right. you know, you can't help anyone if you become weak. Don't be weak. You have one life to live and you have to live it for today. My son's journey is unique. And even though painful, it is his burden to carry. Each person has their own unique walk through life that they must take. And right. I want to say that outreach programs and other sources of education about addiction services are so important so that people and families can feel safe and comfortable to get what they need. 
because when other people share, they share their solution together. You know, when you meet people, when I meet people, when you meet people, I could meet someone for the first time, never met them before. And they'll say something like, oh, I live in Springville, for example. And I'll say, well, my son lives in Springville. And what's your son? Where does he live? And I'll say a sober living house. My daughter lives in sober living. Like I had no idea that she was involved with that. But you just get, it's almost like that third sense where, yes. you know, in early, in early addiction with my son, I would never share that stuff. I would never tell anyone my story. And when I did, I, I would uncontrollably cry. And, and, you know, it was very upsetting. But now I almost seek that out. Sure. I want to know who needs help. And, and this is where you can find it. I don't want, I would never wish this. I don't have a lot of enemies, but I would never wish this on my worst enemy. It is a terrible disease that really can be helped so much with just a little bit of education and a lot of energy and, you know, forthright to really get out there and figure this out for yourself and for your addicted loved one. Absolutely. Absolutely. People want to share, like you said, I mean, you've become more comfortable and your want to share your journey and your son's journey and everything you've gone through, you know, that story is common and it is something that people want to talk about. And when you're able to find comfort in that and when somebody can sit alongside you and share their journey, that will only continue to reduce the stigma like we talked about and provide that openness and education that our society really needs. Yes. And it also reduces the the stress that the person, me, you know, the person who's taking care, trying to take care, you think you can take care of the addict, but you can't. And when right. you get into those sorts of programs and education, you begin to feel that relief wash over you. And if you you can't fix it, you certainly figure out how to set up the boundaries and, and when to start saying no. Right. And boundaries are so important, as you've mentioned today. Yes. And, yes. you know, not easy to set those, not easy to set boundaries in a lot of aspects of our life, but especially as a loved one, as a mom, right? That was probably one of the hardest parts of your journey is setting those boundaries. It was, but I think the key to setting the boundaries is to be verbal about what the boundaries are going to be so that he doesn't come looking for money and all of, I gave him money this whole time and now I'm not going to give you any money. I'm going to say first, just so you know, I'm not giving you any more money. I need you to figure this out on your own. Here are some resources. Make these phone calls. If you're not going to help yourself, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Right. It's, right. it's easier, way easier to say than it is to do. When my son at, at his worst point, he would say things like, I'm no kind of uncle. I'm nothing but a failure. Um, I don't even want you to look at me. I'm not coming home. But I want to say around that, 
um, statement, failure. Failure is the act of not trying. And broken down in simple terms, failure would be relapsing, selling everything you own, living under a bridge with drugs is your only possession. Failure would be if you never tried recovery again. Failure is not the result of not succeeding. Rather, failure is the result of not trying. Failure is giving up. Please don't, please don't do that. Please do not give up. That's, that's what I want to say about that. That's so true. And it's so easy to give up, but there's so much out there that can assist you and educate and provide resources and provide that treatment and provide those extra steps that people might need to make that phone call or walk through those doors to get that treatment. Yeah, no matter how old you are. Um, like I said, so he's been suffering for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. And, you know, he's an older person now, but you're never too old never to, to get the help that you need. He's living with a man who's in his 50s in sober living. Right. So he's not much, not much. I'm not much older than that guy. And it takes real bravery and courage. He my son is the one of the bravest persons I know to step out of his addiction and start all over again. He's actually started all over three or four times. He's sold his everything he owned at least twice that I know of. You know, got into so much trouble that we haven't touched on. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to make this sound like it's been an easy journey because it has not been an easy journey. I have embarrassed myself. I have... Um, done things that I'm not proud of. I've watched those few movies. I brought myself finally to watch A Beautiful Boy just the other day. And that story is so close to what we went through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so scary and depressing, but I promise you that if you take that step, you can only feel better. Right. Right. And then it's just that next step, right? It's just one step after another, after another. And you'll find along the way that you obtain more support, more resources, more options, more conversations. Yep. More peer support. Yes. And even now, um, he, my son talks about his relapses. We've talked honestly about that, especially in the last year and how bad those relapses were and some of the trouble that he got into. And he'll say, I probably wouldn't be standing here today, you know, nearly 18 months sober if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, if that relapse didn't show me that. Because even though I I never liked the statement relapse is part of recovery, but each relapse, if you can survive it, shows you a little window of what you were meant to be in this world and the difference you can make for other people. And now he's, you know, he's taken a few courses in a community college. He wants to be an addiction counselor. He wants to help other people see what he can finally see. And if if you, if, if someone listening to this today can just get a glimpse of what they were or what they can be, make the call because you can, you can be that, honestly. Right. It's so surreal. It, I cannot, I, 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 I'll say it right now and because I've tried to stop saying it because I cannot believe 
the position my son is in today compared to where he was two years ago. I can't believe it. But the more days that go by, the more I feel comforted and 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 I obviously relapse can happen again. Sure, it could happen again. But you have to always have hope and faith and a plan if it does and know what to do if it does before you sink far into that black hole again. You'll know what to do because you'll have tools from the last recovery. Right. And like you said, just having that hope and faith. And hope and faith. Today, I think you have given that to so many listening and you've definitely given it to your son and to the rest of your family and 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 you've shown yourself through the education and every step along the way and the highs and the lows and the lower than the lows and yeah but that hope and faith is something to definitely hold on tight to definitely definitely you have to i mean they're they're intangible things but once you see things start happening they become something you can really hold on to. So Jackie, as a family member, what is one thing you would want to share with another family member who's struggling with the disease of addiction? So I have a cousin and I'll call her Mary. And Mary has a daughter who's an alcoholic in active addiction. And Mary's sister died of an overdose, my first cousin, several years ago. So Mary knows the struggle. I have another cousin, and I'll call him Joe. Thank you. Um, And Joe's son is an addict. Joe's son is actually in the horizon system as well. And both Mary and Joe know at least some of what my son has gone through, but neither have reached out. And I can only share with others who are ready to listen. I really want others to know and believe there is hope and to never lose hope. And some of my son's friends have died from overdoses. And I know moms and dads who have lost their kids to addiction. This is a terrible chronic disease that can be fatal if left untreated. And it's the only disease that one must turn their back on. And some addicts stay in recovery for years, some forever. Some never stop using and live their lives lost in addiction. They can also be um, addicts who can live their lives and and not miss a step. But my son lived with a guy who overdosed and died during a visit with his parents. I met that man. I shook his hand. And back then I was in denial and saw nothing wrong. But today I look back and I can see everything wrong. And I wish there was a way that we, maybe me and you, could travel this earth, search out the addicts, take their hands and lead them to a better life. And I honestly believe, not to sound like an infomercial, but Horizon just made such a difference in my life, in my son's life, and several people that I know. And I just want everyone to know that there is help and please go ask for it. Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and allowing us into your world. And it's it's so amazing to hear the progress that you've all made and how your son's doing. And hopefully we can talk again and dive in even more to the journey and hopefully we'll continue to hear about all of the incredible things that you and your family continue to experience. 
Yeah, I would love to share more, share more of the uncomfortableness of it and sure. share more of the joy. Absolutely. Yeah. I look absolutely. forward to that. Well, thank you thank so you. much. And we wish you all the best. And we will absolutely continue this conversation soon. Thank you so much. Have a you, great day. You too. Thank you, Jackie, for sitting down with us today and allowing us to learn more about your journey with your son. We appreciate you all tuning in and hope this conversation provided an expanded look on the importance of family education, support, and the resources that are available to those struggling with substance use and mental health. You can always visit our website at horizon-health.org to learn more about our treatment options available for individuals, families, and loved ones. Be sure to subscribe to Heart to Heart to stay up to date and informed on the latest resources, support, and education that matter most to our community. Please follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to continue this conversation around mental health and substance use resources for those in need. Thank you again for tuning in today. Mm-hmm.